Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey everyone, Perry here to let you know that this episode of Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans where you can binge the highly touted original series, Titans, or you can jump into the all-new Swamp Thing with new episodes dropping weekly, and also check out the thousands of comics just added, catch up on your favorite series, including Krypton Season 1, and watch some animated movies while you're at it, like Reign of Superman. Join at DCUniverse.com. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General States pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome back for a brand new episode of Collider Movie Talk. Today, we're going back to Batman land because we have some insight on the casting process. Then on top of that, if you watched yesterday's show, you know we teased the Django Zorro story. And today, we're going to dig into those details. We're going to give you our thoughts and see if that movie has some potential there. And you know who I get to discuss that story with? With Koi and Haley. Yeah. Yes. 
I love Tuesdays. Yes. I love every day, but I love Tuesdays because you guys are here. Very excited. You rock. All right. Let's dig into it because this Batman story has a lot of really meaty information, especially if you're interested in some of the behind the scenes things that have to happen in order to cast a big role like this. So all of this information comes from a brand new THR piece. And that piece is saying that the casting process was a very smooth one because Matt Reeves had a clear idea of who he wanted for the part when he was writing the script. The choice came down to Robert Pattinson, who got the role, and also Nicholas Holt. Here's a little quote from the piece. He, as in Batman, is written as around 30 years old, and the story is neither another rehashing or his origin, nor the tale of a seasoned crime fighter ruling Gotham City. He is Bruce Wayne still trying to find his footing on his way to becoming the genius detective. Although other names were rumored for the role, Pattinson and Holt, they were the ones that were the chief contenders for the part. We're going to dig into some of the specifics in terms of the casting process. But first, Coy, I want to know your thoughts on the story details we have here. Is that encouraging? And does that kind of put your mind down a certain path about the story that we might be jumping into? It puts me down a very specific path that I don't... It's a legacy story. So it's really interesting. There's this story called Court of Owls that Scott Snyder did that basically sets up... There's an under underground crime syndicate in Gotham that he flashes back to in his 30s. And it's, it's how they started the New 52. It's a really popular story. It's one of the most beloved of the last decade Batman stories. And it's specifically 30s. It's specifically how he's unseasoned. It's specifically all of those quotes make me think Court of Owls. But the beauty of Court of Owls is that we've lived with Batman so long that it's exciting to see him back as young. Like a flashback doesn't work unless you have present day. You know, so I don't, I don't necessarily think it's Court of Owls. But when you hear those words, that's 100% what comic fans go Court of Owls. To me, it sounds like a mix between between year one, but later on, and uh, like the the Neil Adams stuff. Because mm-hmm. when I look at him, I think Neil Adams. He's a leaner Batman. He's got more of that caped crusader. He's more of a crusader and a swashbuckler than he's like a brooding mass. Like he's going to be doing detective work. Robert Pattinson is, is intelligent. He portrays himself a certain way. So I see a year two story. <laughs> I think right after year one, right after that stuff, in between the Neil Adams world, or it, it could be crazy and do Court of Owls. But no matter what, a lot of villains plus an early Batman, to me, is the antithesis of what a lot of the comic book movies have been doing. I like the idea of using this powerful rogues gallery, not doing an origin story. It sounds like all the benefits they did with Punisher, how Punisher wasn't an origin story. He'd already been Punisher. Mm -hmm. And I liked that that first season was him becoming the Punisher we know. And then they skipped ahead season two. This to me can be that where it's an established character. We know the villains. We know the guy. Let's just have a Batman movie. So I think year two meets Neil Adams. I like the sound of that. Part of the piece is also saying how Matt Reeves basically decided on Robert Pattinson partially because of what he saw him do in both Good Time and High Life. And you're a fan of both, right, Haley? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so what is it about those two movies and his work in them that you think could make him a great Batman? It's such a weird question because they're such weird roles. That's that's exactly why I'm curious to know what Reeves was thinking, like what he saw in that that made him stand out, especially above someone super talented like Nick Holt. I know. I think it's really exciting. I, I, I think the weirdness is maybe part of it. Like I've said on Twitter and stuff, I like my Bruce Wayne's a little weird. Sure. And I, I think that could be part of his vision for it. I also, I could see it being something about the way that when Pattinson acts, he doesn't tend to give everything away he's mm. like there's always a second layer of emotion behind the top layer of what he's doing and i he's a he's a reserved kind of actor a quiet actor 
And I, I could see that being part of the take on the character as well. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, it is sort of Bruce Wayne's nature to be a stoic person who <laughs> hides a lot under the surface. Well, even in the uh, THR piece, when they were asked, they were bringing up certain questions that Matt Reeves was asking himself during these auditions. And it's, did they embody the character? How did their eyes look and act? And is there a specialness to him? And, you know, I'm sure Nick Holt could do this as well. But when I think about Robert Pattinson and how much he's able to sell on facial expressions yeah. alone... When your face is covered in Batman mode, you need to be you really do need to be able to sell it all through the eyes. I think his reserved nature, I totally agree that especially in good time, he's almost like intentionally distant that when you get any of him, you're like, like you lean in. Yeah. And I think Batman has that aspect of like he's so reserved because Bruce Wayne is the persona. Batman is the reality. Like the he's one of the few characters where his secret identity is actually Bruce Wayne because he's so broken. He's Batman. And to me, Robert Pattinson carries that really well because you're always like that poor guy from Twilight that had to deal with all this <laughs> stuff. I wonder what he's really like. Like we, I don't yeah. feel like the average person gets to ever see Robert Pattinson. And I feel like Good Time, High Life, Cosmopolis, a lot of those roles really show a person that's putting a lot of facade on, which is the most Batman thing ever. And for me, Nicholas Holt is an incredible actor and he's very weird, like like Mad Max. Like, I mean, good God. For sure. But there's something so unique about Robert Pattinson's smugness that doesn't reek of arrogance. Like, he seems smug without being arrogant, and I don't know how to quantify that further, and that's so Batman. Like, Batman is sure of himself while being insecure about everything else. <laughs> but he's also the world's greatest detective and the smartest guy. Like, Batman's such a hard character, and I see Pattinson that through and through, whereas Nicholas Holt, I'm like 90% there. But once this was rumored, I have not been able to see another Batman. So I, I feel like that might have been what Matt Reeves is saying, is like, look at all these roles, look at all these opportunities. Once we saw this guy, Pattinson. I we, couldn't agree more. Just I like as soon as they said the name and the rumors or whatever, I was like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Because <laughs> right? it's the only option. Well, actually, it went back to so when Jeff was talking about his Batman uh, fan casting, he kept saying Zac Efron because star power is also a really big deal, sure. and it does seem like that might have played uh, played a little bit of a factor here. Because as much as I admire Nick Holt, when you put Robert Pattinson's name at the head of a movie, you're going to draw maybe a slightly bigger crowd. I hope it wasn't completely, I mean, it doesn't seem like it was completely reliant on that, but I imagine that was a teeny piece of the puzzle here. I feel like Zac Efron is like Chris Evans before Captain America. He's got that. He needs to go through his human torch phase before he's Cap. <laughs> no. And I feel like Zac <laughs> Efron. Yeah, I, so, and I love Zac Efron and I love human torch, but <laughs> I think he's not quite a Batman yet. He's more of a Nightwing. All right. So I see that evolution coming. And I, the only other name that came close to even like the Nick Holtz level was uh, your Jonathan Tucker idea. And I've still oh, held yeah. on to that. Now when I see Jonathan Tucker, I'm like, God. I'm a big fan of him. Such a good Bruce <laughs> we have boy. someone in the chat who's a big fan of Nicholas Holt and trying to get him into this movie. So Wo Rang wrote... Holt as a villain would be awesome. Who would he play? I say Riddler. I would That'd get be behind that, especially given just like some of the work we've seen, particularly Mad Max. I mean, not that those characters are like super similar, but there's something about the, the physicality and just like the extreme nature of that role that I think would suit the Riddler quite well. I'd, I'd buy that. I would go further into crazy Ooh. and I'd give him Mad Hatter. I would love to see him just lose his mind because I love that character in Mad Max. And I think that if you're if you're going to take a role that is OK, so Tom Hiddleston auditioned for Thor and got Loki. If you played something, <laughs> if you played another Asgardian, that would seem insulting. But if you play something like Loki, so if you give him the Riddler, 
too composed. Go crazy. So I'd say, I'd say Mad Hatter or Scarecrow because he's tall, yeah. he's lean, I he's like got that. the eyes, he's yeah. got the intensity, he's got the piercing. Seems a little clean, seems a little easy, but Scarecrow or Mad Hatter for me. I mean, really, I'm open to just about anything because Nicholas Holt is one of the ones out Spring. there that no matter what you cast him in, I am going to want to watch it. Another thing in this story I really wanted to get your take on because it's a really interesting thing to see actually written out when we do think about this all the time is that one of the things that made Pattinson more attractive to Reeves here in Warner Brothers is the quote is specifically Pattinson has not yet appeared in a Marvel Studios movie and name brand actors not working for the DC Comics rival are becoming few and far between. (laughs) Apparently there are no contract provisions prohibiting Marvel actors from appearing in a DC Warner Brothers movie but execs believe that cross-pollinating dilutes both brands and can cause confusion for audiences especially from a marketing point of view that's not fair to yeah. like people that's like that's so dumbing like it, it's assuming our <laughs> dumbness in a way that's not fair like how is that tom hardy got bane and venom like the, we're not I think dumb the, i think the reasoning <laughs> i think the reasoning is a little dumb also because if you're gonna put this major character in an actor's hand you would do so with the hope that that actor could lose themselves in the role the only thing that i think is good about this isn't what they articulate and it's the fact that oh Oh, if someone has a big superhero movie opportunity over there, let's give it to someone else over here for diversity's sake. Mm. But that's not what they're talking about here. No. And I also, I, it's like we just saw that not be true with Josh Brolin. We, we yeah. know that Moments audiences ago. can, yeah. <laughs> like, and it was Literally also two giant temples. Yeah. And Chris Evans, back to Chris Evans, exactly. a perfect man. He's played like five superheroes. Like, and it's always a different diverse role, and it's always like a very charismatic performance that doesn't make you think of the other. And he arguably went on to be like the favorite of that, yeah. you know, the whole first phase. I'm, like, I'm, phase, just, I'm like upset at the entity, like an unnamed source. Like, who are you person <laughs> thinks we're dumb? Speaking about having brain space for two different things on the big screen, <laughs> Josh Herrera in the chat is asking, do you honestly think general audiences want two different DC universes on the big screen? Yes. Yeah. Yes, because DC and Warner Brothers are finally doing something super different. They're taking these opportunities to explore different stories, different toned movies. And I think it's genius what they're doing right now, especially with a filmmaker like Matt Reeves working on this, with what they're doing now with the trench basically going off from Aquaman. I think Shazam had a completely different feel. And then we've got the Joker. We've got a mid-range budgeted movie where they're going to take some serious risks and do something kind of crazy and standalone. I think that just like you said before with the one actor playing two different roles, audiences have more than enough brain space for this kind of stuff, especially if we're talking about quality material that sells you on the story. I never want to see Robert Pattinson and Joaquin Phoenix opposite each other because that's different Batman. Like just from the tone of the trailer and from the tiny amount we know from this, that's not the same universe. I'm glad it's not the same universe because that means I get two universes of excitement. (laughs) Like why is like I don't want to eat at one restaurant the rest of my life. I'd like to eat at every goddamn restaurant. restaurant But the diversity of flavors, what (laughs) this universe is giving us. It's fine. But I I think that audiences (laughs) can handle the bandwidth and I also think that we're in a great time of uh, audiences being intelligent enough to actually understand that comics are so diverse that we get this like look at the the tom king ava duvernay new gods news like new gods is yeah. not a thing i ever thought we'd see and we're getting eternals both jack kirby creations both out of your minds from marvel and dc and it's gonna work okay before we move on because we have to if you were to eat at one restaurant for the rest of your life what would it be and why 
Oh, you guys it's look not, so upset with I me that now. I eat everywhere. Okay, question. <laughs> I would pick the peanut butter company in New York because peanut butter sandwiches are wonderful. That's and you it? can have all different variations. For your whole life, peanut butter yeah, sandwiches. I think so. You are a wild woman. <laughs> Either salsa and beer. <laughs> In, in the valley or walk down Moon Lake in Silver Lake. So either lots of Thai food or lots of Mexican food. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, those are my... You're kind of cheating, but it's okay. I'm, I, it's a broad sweep, you know? <laughs> I can't... I don't know. Like, I would have to cheat too because I can't... <laughs> I can't choose burritos or sushi and you can't have both because if you you're going to pick the burrito. best restaurant... That's the it's thing. Is it's like... One. I don't want to say like, like chili Cheesecake factory. Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, exactly. got a seven-page menu of very tolerable food. <laughs> Well, I guess the safest bet in that case would be something like a good old New York City diner because you have a mile-long menu and you can get, like, anything from, like, Italian to breakfast food to dessert. That's true. I'm thinking of- about this too hardcore right now. We have to move on before <laughs> I spin out of control because we also have some great content we have to tell you about. Of course, we are going to talk about the Django and Zora movie, but first, brand new episode of Comic Book Shopping. Check out this clip right now. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Hey guys, Perry here again to let you know that this episode of Movie Talk is brought to you by DC Universe. It's the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join at DCUniverse.com and get sucked into the new original series like the highly touted Titans, or you can catch up on favorites like Krypton Season 1. And starting May 31st, jump into new episodes of Swamp Thing dropping weekly and following Abby Arcane as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp-born virus in a small town in Louisiana, and soon discovers that the swamp actually holds mystical and terrifying secrets. You can also get your comic book fix with thousands of new comic titles just added to an already impressive comic library. This includes more recent titles and complete storylines like Superman Secret Origin, Batman 2011, and Harley Quinn 2013. Also available on the platform are tons of the classic DC movies we love, like Batman and the original Superman movie. On top of that, if animated movies are more your speed, sign up now because there you can get Reign of the Superman and Justice League versus the Fatal Five. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices, so if you were thinking about it, do it now. Join and get a year's worth of DC content at DCUniverse.com. 
In addition to comic book shopping, we also have another interview on the channel with uh, that guy right there, John Roca, the, talking some uh, sports stuff. Yeah, on the Collider what Sports happened? Channel, I had the WBC welterweight champion, Sean Porter, and former four-time featherweight champion, Admiral Mars, stopping by. They're from Inside PBC on Fox, talking all things that are going on in the world of boxing, including that Andy Reese Jr. upset of, da- of Anthony Joshua. So watch that interview. A great half an hour. I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, but I trust okay. him. It's great stuff. <laughs> all right. Story number two today. Let's get into it. <laughs> Ron Howard is he's busy right now promoting a documentary and he popped on to the Happy Sad Confused podcast. And while he was there, he kind of veered off and talked a little bit about Solo, a Star Wars story and said this specific quote about how it did at the box office. He said, I wish it would have lived up to the box office expectations and so forth. So that's disappointing. Why? Maybe it's the release date. Maybe it's the idea that it's sort of too nostalgic. Pushback from the previous movie, which I kept hearing was something and some trolling. Definitely some trolling. It was especially noticeable prior to the release of the movie in several of the algorithms, whether it's Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes. There was an inordinate pushdown on the want to see and on the fan voting. So... This is where he stands on this right now, or at least this is the opinion he's expressing. It is a year later, and there have been some changes out there. So do you guys think we're in a different position as far as how these types of incidents are affecting movies when they hit the box office? Do you? Uh, No, not particularly. I I think that the real problem here is that Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, places like that need to change their their algorithm because right now critics have very limited choice that a movie's either rotten or fresh and there's there's nothing sort of in between. Mm -hmm. And and we've seen that today with like the X-Men reviews. Um, Like I think Dark Phoenix is the lowest rated X-Men on Rotten Tomatoes, even though I don't know how anyone would think it's the worst X-Men movie because it's not. Um, I, I just don't see like how these scores affect box office, like because anyone who's voting for these scores theoretically has already seen, like in theory, they've already seen the movie, so the studio's already well, gotten their money. So it's like, are, how many fans, how many people out there were going to see a Star Wars movie, or going to see Solo, and then they see this these scores that that reflect negativity, and they're like, well, now I'm not going to go anymore. Well, I think you hit on two things there. So a recent change over at Rotten Tomatoes is the verified ticket element, right. where someone can't put up their review or vote on something unless they have a verified purchase there. But also... It's a matter of like stepping outside our little bubble or even like movie diehards that really make that a priority with mm-hmm. their hard-earned money to see as many as they possibly can. Rotten Tomatoes has grown exponentially over the years. It's a utility tool. Yeah. I understand mm-hmm. why if someone says, you know, I've got X amount of dollars to spend on my movies these couple of months, I will turn to this aggregate and I will see what they recommend. And, you know, in Dark Phoenix's case, it is unfortunate, but... The other thing it's what's worth probably clarifying is on Rotten Tomatoes, what you're able to do is you can break down your score to whatever you want, whether you use a letter system or a number system, like I could do a 6.5 out of 10 if I feel like it for whatever movie, and then you select fresh or rotten. So it's like if, let's say, a 5 out of 5 is fresh for someone, they could put fresh or they could put rotten if that's a rotten score on their scale. Mm. So there there are a little bit of like gray areas here and there, but I think it's a system that just needs to continue to chip away at that evolution until we kind of figure out how to write the conversation again. Yeah, and I get that. And, but I also think this idea of trolling becomes a cop-out for directors yes. now. And yes. I, it's, it's starting to bother me, and for studios too. And I'm just like, oh, it's a trolling. That's why they did it. No, 
the movie didn't appeal to a lot of Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans could have trolled the hell out of Solo, but it was a damn good movie. People would have gone. Look, Ron Howard is, an, is a fantastic filmmaker, a great filmmaker, but the last time he whooped up audiences in a movie, you could, you could barely remember. So uh, him taking That's over true. Solo, Lord and Miller, if Lord and Miller had been allowed to finish this movie, then we would have seen one way or another how this would have turned out, positive or negative. That's the way it is. Ron Howard stepped in, made some corrections, made some casting decisions, and in the end, gave us an okay movie. Okay, it was an okay movie. So this is on the heels of Last Jedi. It got swamped by that. It wasn't about the trolling. It was the fans didn't like the movie itself and told people they didn't like the movie itself, and then people didn't go. And the ones who did... It was like a 50-50 whether they liked it or not. So that's what you get. That's why the box office was low. I don't know, nothing to do with shoaling. It was all this backstage drama, and then what eventually you got a meh of a film. This is why it didn't do when's well. The, when's the, what's like the last spinoff that really did well? I mean, for, maybe outside of I mean, Logan. Rogue one Logan was fantastic. did well. Which one? Rogue One. Rogue One was incredible and did a lot of money. Was it incredible? Hey, damn right I, it was. I really it was, su- it was successful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And damn good. I thought it was great too. Yeah. Um, trolling is a real thing, but like yeah, anything but that extent. hits the theaters when we talk about box office, it's it's a multitude of factors right. that come into effect. I do think that as far as online trolling goes, last year was just an especially bad year where we saw so many different movies targeted for so many different reasons, and it was also the first time I remember specifically the Rotten Tomatoes like audience score and those types of metrics being manip- purposely manipulated by people who hadn't seen the movie, and that they're working to correct. But Captain when, Marvel overcame that, and people are trolling the This crap is still out of such Marvel. a small number of people, yeah, though, it's guys. not that when much When we think about Twitter, with. oh, everyone on Twitter's coming at me, and, and blah, blah, blah. Twitter represents mm-hmm. like 5% of the population. Yeah. You could have 100,000 people saying some, something negative about your movie. 100,000 people equals a million dollars at the well, box office. That's nothing. Yeah. The other layer of this problem, we're not just saying like, oh, this this small community, like, shame on you for trolling and trying to spread bad, mm. bad vibes. The problem in this particular instance, though, is that by manipulating a tool like Rotten Tomatoes that could affect wide moviegoers out there, that's when that that loud, uh, the, the vocal mm. minority could then affect overall sales. But one important thing that Planet uh, Planeta Sophia brings up is, is the constant talking and reporting about the trolls the real cause of the poor yes. performance of some movies? I do think that's part of it, but I'm also of the mind that if we just sit back, relax, and let it happen, it's like I want to take any opportunity I get to not just say, like, you know, not talk to someone who is super negative the same way that they're talking about a movie or another person, but to, I don't know, spin it in a positive way, set a good example, something like that. I don't want to completely no, ignore I, it. I, I think you need to ignore it. There's only two, like, it, it's no different than a schoolyard bully. There's two ways to deal with them. One, you hit him in the mouth, right? Which you can't do here no. online. The other one is to ignore him. I don't understand Actually, how many the editors other, there you are. You could stand up to them. You could stand, stand up, up to them by, them by, by, by saying, don't, don't troll, don't do that. Like, yeah, there is a, there I, I, is a giving point. credence to it. You're I, feeding into it. Yeah, I get your point, Perry. You do want to stand up to them, but in the end, you're not really going to change them. No. How many, you know, people talk about that Sarah Silverman exchange she had with that person who was politically against her. And it took 32 comments in a thread for him to finally go, oh, yeah, I see your point of view. Just, who has time to waste on every single troll 32 comment thread? So it doesn't make sense. You can make your comment, make your stand, but 
to actually enact change rather than just feeling good that you stood up, that's the difference there. And I don't think, you know, making a comment is going to change. You're giving them more publicity. I've run into so many of those situations where, you know, someone says something that, you know, I have no problem when someone says something negative about a movie Mm. I love. It's when it's malicious. And I've reached out to people on Twitter and I say, like, you know, like, I wouldn't express it that way because this and this. And And then they rethink it. And then maybe they spread that mentality to somebody else. That's what it's for. That's what Twitter is for reach out on Twitter have that conversation it's not for websites to do I don't know why so many websites Collider included give credence to these things when I was running the tracking board if someone had pitched you know uh, fans for trolling whatever I, I ignored that mm. that's not a story it's not news it shouldn't be on websites and I don't know why anybody uh, picks it up well, it's subjective to argue. I think it is news depending on the situation. Like the Captain Marvel situation, I think it was news because in the end, it did cause change for Rotten Tomatoes. Like they decided to change their aggregator, all that kind of stuff, and put this in place because the Captain Marvel situation was the final straw. That was news that trolls caused this to change. Now, reporting on trolls exclusively as just in a vacuum, no, maybe not news. But if the, if the, uh, Reaction to the trolls causes some change. That is the news item to talk about. And I'm, yeah. I'm with yeah. you on that. that. But that's when it becomes newsworthy, right. when change is affected, not beforehand. Can I yeah. throw something in before we stop? Uh, I, know, I know we got uh, a little bit of time. Like, there's something else Ron says in, I'm sorry, Ron Howard, says in the article, he says, I don't know if a film like Beautiful Mind, which is one of his best films ever made, uh, would get made nowadays. And I find this to be very interesting because this is starting to become the drumbeat of these older filmmakers uh, that films that are like uh, adult dramas are not going to get made by studios anymore to the level and the frequency and the volume that they did in years past because people, uh, studios are more focusing on tentpole pictures, superhero pictures, franchise pictures, that kind of jazz. And I found that to be very a very interesting comment. It's a, it's a whole other discussion, frankly, because it's not about trolling. That's no, not no, why no, no, but he mentions that in the article, and I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I don't think we have time to, to get into right. it, though. Yeah, that's the whole, I mean, that goes right back into the theatrical versus streaming conversation. Right. In the landscape, how it's changing, and where we're going to wind up with releases and creative opportunities. I'm sure we're going to get to that another day, though. <laughs> right now, though, we wanted to save some time for your live chat questions. And I've got one here from Luis E. de la Pena, who's asking, didn't the Ad Astra trailer have a gravity or interstellar vibe? Oh, my God. Stop comparing. It's a space movie. There's, there's an, I don't think it has an interstellar vibe. I get the father-son aspect of it all, what you're trying to get across. But his father is still alive, and he's not jumping dimensions to go find his father. It's something I think, I think it's more interesting about whether it's destruction of the universe as we know it. That's more the exploration. Gravity, I don't know. I, I get the comparisons because it's mother-daughter or father-daughter, and this is father-son, but I don't think it really... Or it's just I got, I got stuff that vibe. in space. Yeah, stuff in space. <laughs> I, I was surprised by the scope of it. It was bigger than I thought mm-hmm. that it would be. Um, it looks like it's sort of on the level of those kinds of movies, maybe not uh, pushing the, the technological envelope like Gravity did. Um, but yeah, I was surprised at how much it reminded me of Interstellar, things like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that one pans out because it feels like that was a very full trailer story-wise, yeah. which makes me think, given the people involved, that there's going to be something that catches me off guard in the actual full feature I'm curious to know what that winds up being. We also have a question, another question from uh, Planeta Sophia, who asks, what other type of sport event should get a movie like Britney Runs a Marathon? And I love the trailer. Has a lot of heart. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) 
Uh, well, I'm biased. I would say the Liverpool run to the uh, Champions League uh, victory that they had, becoming the, the champions of Europe uh, last week. I would love to see them profile that team or do a movie about that team and how they overcame the odds and fought through so many things to get there to win the first title for that manager who'd been in five cup finals before, never won, and finally won it. I would, that's, I'm biased, though, because I'm a massive Liverpool fan. There's uh, one sport that has not been uh, brought to the big screen, and that is mini golf. I knew oh, you were going to go with something Christ. like that. I just knew. They need Christ. to do something with mini golf. Do you putt-putt? Yeah. Do you mini golf? Yeah. I will challenge you on Movie Talk for oh, a please. game of mini. I will challenge both of, of you. Don't even. I, I will Fine. gladly go Just play a a mini golf with you, John, when you watch the inside. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. Fine. As long as we can bring our own putters. I don't want to use those, like... Crappy that's, plastic that's ones. That's so crap. So no, you have to use the crappy. No. You have to use the crappy putter. That's, that's part of, of the skill. Yeah. No, it's not. Yes. The part of the skill is being able to really putter hit that's the like ball. You, that's like bowling with Cody, and Cody has to bring his own ball. Come on, Cody. <laughs> Bowl with that's what's there. Point. I think I'm, I'll go your route, Jeff. I want an, I want a skee ball movie, but like one that's one that's like done <laughs> hangover ball. style. Because you know my buddy Matt Donato, he plays in a league in Brooklyn. There's and a skee ball league. They, they like hardcore play, really? play and they the have wrist. beer and they drink and like. Can you imagine the crazy stuff that comes out of like a sport? It it sounds like a, like a, a skee ball version of dodgeball in my mind. Mm. I like that idea. I think okay. it's genius. Okay. All right. We'll keep you updated if that ever happens. And also what the results of our mini golf competition is going to be. We should Dor- Let's write line, that movie. Right? Put some on it. Dorian, film this thing. You come with us that night. We'll do it He's at Sherman Oaks. shaking his head. We'll do it at Sherman <laughs> Oaks, You're not dog. into it? All right. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Collider Movie Talk. Roca, Jeff, thank you as always. Adam in the booth, thanks for your hard work. Dorian in the live chat, always working hard there. Guys, do not forget, like and share this episode of Collider Movie Talk. Tell everybody you know about the show on the YouTube channel and in podcast form as well. And we will be back 3 p.m. PT live tomorrow for a brand new episode. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20.